Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hej, hej och välkomna till Vinpratarna. Vi är nu i mitten av december och jag har dragit på mig någon slags influensa vilket är anledningen till att jag kanske låter lite mer täppt och annorlunda än jag brukar. Men skit i det, för idag ska ni få höra en intervju som jag gjorde för någon vecka sedan med ingen mindre än Rajat Par. Rajat Par är ingen mindre än en levande legend vad gäller vin idag. Och du har ju säkert sett honom i diverse tidningsartiklar eller vindokumentärer de senaste åren. Rajat är född och uppvuxen i Kalkutta och hamnade så småningom via kockskåla i New York som sommelier på Rubicon och sedan som wine director på The Mina Group. Och sedan ett antal år tillbaka är han istället vinmakare i Kalifornien och Oregon där han gör fantastiskt rena och snygga viner med klart burgundiska förtecken. Kort och gott, en superfascinerande vinperson och som dessutom blivit ökänd för sina ohyggligt grymma blindprovningsförmågor. Så, without further ado som det heter. Varsågoda, jag ger er Rajat Par. Trevlig lyssning. Uh, welcome Rajat Par to, to Sweden. And uh, Stockholm and and Vinpratarna, the name of the show here. Of course, thank you. Uh, you're here to um, present because your your wines you have started work with a Swedish importer, right? Yes. And you're here to. We just came from a lunch when we tasted Evening Land. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But f- for starters, I just also want to know a little bit about you. I, I read somewhere that you actually started to drink wine quite late in life, sort of in your 20s, is that right? Yes, for sure, because yeah. I, uh, I was born in India, in Calcutta, and there wasn't much wine around in India, and so the first time I had wine was uh, uh, when I was 20, I was, I was in England. In England, huh? Yeah, my uncle, uh, yeah, that was in 93, and uh, that's the first time I had... Uh, Yeah, I had wine, so I was I was very uh, intrigued and uh, curious, mm-hmm. and because uh, as a you know as a as a as a child, I was, you, you eat grapes, and if you don't know, mm. 
wine is made from grapes. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is made from grapes. I was like, that's funny. Yeah. How can how can something made from grapes be so profound? Uh-huh. So, just so I had wine there for the first time. And but but you think it, it was it a good thing or uh, for you that you didn't have these. Uh, teenage uh, getting drunk on cheap wine experiences then you started to drink in an early I mean in a more grown up uh, age so to speak uh, that you uh, yeah me, I don't know I mean it's, it's, I think that you know I drank enough bad cheap alcohol so it wasn't okay. like it wasn't like wine but but definitely the I was exposed to all these flavors I'd never had before no Flavors you don't get in whiskey and rum and beer. No, no, definitely. Uh, so it was uh, definitely an eye-opening experience. Uh, that yeah, it was a beverage from grapes. <laughs> so, but uh, then you also then you moved to the states. Uh, but 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 how? When did you realize that you wanted to st- wanted to start working with with wine? Uh, was that? Yeah, so I, so I was in England, and then I moved to uh, upstate New York to go to school, to go to culinary school. I wanted to be a chef, mm-hmm. so that was my mm-hmm. goal in life, mission, that I want to be a chef. So I moved uh, to uh, the culinary school up in Hyde Park, New York, and I, I started to go through... Uh, Uh, through culinary school, and then I tasted wine there, and I was like, "Wow, this is interesting!" Because I was still curious, and I joined the wine club, and and then we had a wine class, and I was just like, "Wow, this is!" It kept coming back to me that this is a very interesting subject, mm. and then I decided that I want to study it more. I fin- finished culinary school, and I didn't. I did not want to be a chef anymore. No, I wanted to l- study about wine. But in '96, there were not that many young sommeliers. Like today, there's so many sommeliers. Are so the new yeah. rock stars? Yeah, uh, yeah. So I was I was I was 24, and I was like, oh, so why? You know, what's the? How do you learn about wine? And my instructor said, yeah, you can only learn about wine by either going to the place mm. or learning from somebody at some place which has a good wine list. Uh, or you know, so I moved to San Francisco and. Uh, took a job in a restaurant which has a very big wine list and had a master sommelier, Larry Stone. Yeah. So, you know. Rubicon. Yeah, Rubicon, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you learn on the job. And uh, I started as a as a back waiter, as a food runner, and then slowly became bartender, then a waiter, and then assistant sommelier. So, mm. yeah. That was uh, the, the, the trip. And then, and then but, I mean, what... I mean, what did Larry Stone? Uh, what has he meant to you when it comes to your wine wine uh, experience or wine learning? Oh, Larry is my, my mentor and you know guided me through life, mm-hmm. not only wine, but taught me about about uh, service, about wine, and very patiently, uh, even today, uh, advised me on everything in in my in my life. So. He's the most important person uh, in the world for me. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. yeah. You've earned, you're quite famous for for sort of having mastered the art of blind tasting. Uh, I mean, <laughs> people know you're really good at blind tasting. And and, but the, my question is, do you, did you have a certain learning technique 
I mean, to remember, uh, to rem uh, how do you store the, the, the experience in, in, in your head? How did you, how did you learn the, the, the blind tasting? Um, so I first, so when I first tasted wine, I was like, wow, this is interesting. But I didn't know how to explain the flavors because I had never tasted, you know, I never had so many different things like herbs you have in... In, in the Western world, I never, mm. you know, I only knew a few things. So I, I trained myself by smelling uh, different herbs, different fruit, different spices, and I trained uh, my palate uh, by, by smelling everything. Yeah. Uh, and then I started to uh, taste the wine, really focus on the wine, and uh, f uh, for... I think almost five years, uh, or five or six years, I tasted every wine blind. Oh, you did? Okay. Um. So if I was tasting a wine from, uh, you know, a distributor or someone comes to show you the wine, I used to put the glasses out, I said, pour me the wine, and then just leave the glasses. Mm. Don't show me the bottle. Mm -hmm. And so I used to taste them blind. And that way I kind of was training myself through my own palate. So, mm. so and, and I did that for many years. And then it became like a, you know, you know, also I, I must say that, that back in the 90s, wine was not expensive. You could, you could afford a bottle of Latash or yeah, a bottle yeah. of mm. First Growth Bordeaux. You could buy it. Mm. They were expensive, but they were not like what they are today. No, no. And they also, they were available. And so very early on, I was drinking lots of old wine, and top, top producers and really focusing on vintages, flavor profiles, and really kind of focusing. We had, I had many different tasting groups, uh, some with sommeliers, some with collectors, and uh, it was always, it, it was like uh, a passion of mine to, uh, well, classic wine, why yeah. it tastes like classic wine. So, you know, that was the, you know, it was all about classic wine. Um, and the wine world today has changed a lot. The classical regions still are, many are still classical, but in the classical region, there's a lot of people, who've, producers who are now the new classic. Mm, you know, mm. I'm not saying it's, it's, there's a different classic wine now. Uh, so it's, you know, yeah. so it, it's even now, it's still interesting to, to I still taste many wines blind yeah. and it's always uh, exciting. But how does it work when you, when you taste the wine blind? Do you, nowadays do you immediately get an idea, or do you do the sort of classic that that you learned at, at uh, when you're on some of your trainings? That what can it not be? You know, you put away things, or, or, or do you have sort of a, yeah. like a gut feeling nowadays that you yeah, it's, it have to be? It's yeah. it's the same. It it it's like the rolodex in your head. Yeah. Uh, I have a decent memory, of course. As you get older, you forget more things <laughs> than you remember. So I try to think back on. If I've had the wine or haven't had the wine, and sometimes you can, uh, sometimes you can have taste the wine. Uh, first time you have the wine, you can, like the other day I had a wine for the first time. Mm -hmm. I'd never had it before, but I blind tasted it down to producer vintage. Uh -huh. But I never, I had had a different wine from the producer, but never that specific wine. Okay. But I had had that vintage, and I had had the producer. The producer. Uh -huh. So. 
you know, of course, and as you get older, it's it's no it's no secret you you lose the the sharpness you are. But the more you practice, the better you get. Mm. And I don't practice much anymore. I'm sometimes in restaurants, someone gives you a wine blind, or sometimes in I was at a friend's house and somebody brought up this bottle of champagne. And uh, but back in the day when I was practicing, it yeah. was only I was only drinking classic wine. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, uh, as always, practicing is the key to to to, oh, to mastering yeah. the, the. It's it's much harder today because the wine style has changed, and also the wines you drink, have, and also the prices are quite. You know, yeah, yeah. It's not like, you it's, know, it's hard to you, buy DRC. Uh, just oh, to, forget uh, <laughs> DRC. Even if you, even even to buy, uh, uh, you know, uh, older vintage. You yeah. know, village wine is. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's. You have to be rich to drink yes, uh, those classic wines, yeah. or have good friends. Or have good friends. <laughs> But then you um, decided to go into a, a winemaker, winemaking career. How, 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 and when did that happen? Uh, that it was, it was not. I, I was very happy working in restaurants, and then I was tasting uh, one one year. It was a thing, maybe 2003, I think. Or four, I was I was drinking some wine with a friend of mine, with other people, and and it was a Grayo Crozier Mitage, mm -hmm. and I think it was '89 maybe, and uh, you know I I told my friend who was also a sommelier turned into winemaker, and I asked him I said you know why don't you make wine like this, whole cluster Syrah mm -hmm. from Santa Barbara? He said oh no it's uh, It's not possible. It's, you don't get the same ripeness with the. So I was like, okay, okay. So then I started to find. I said, looking around for a vineyard where I can make some Syrah whole uh, cluster, uh, uh. fresh, and so then I found a vineyard and started working with that, and I started working with other winemakers and I got curious to practicing. Then I met Sashi in the way. Yeah. And then slowly it just kind of like became, oh, cool, I could do this. And one day maybe not work in restaurants and oh. have a normal life and uh, sleep at a normal time. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, so it just started like that. It was just not. And then, then when I met Sashi, and then we started Sandy. Your, your business partner. For, for my business partner, bu yeah, yeah, my for business people partner. Might yeah, Sashi Mormon, yeah. my business partner. And, in in evening land and mm. sandy and dumadalkot and and so you know then at that time he was working and planting vineyards for evening land and i started consulting for evening land and then one thing led to the other and it, it was just and then we had a chance to take over the vineyards at uh, the ones in which are now dumadalkot mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so it all just happened it was not planned um Yeah, and then then, and the same owners who owned Dumendalakot also, at the time owned Evening Land, and then they said, "Why don't you take over Evening Land?" So ah. it all just like happened one after another. Yeah, it yeah. was it was not like I sat down and said, "I'm going to plant vineyards and I'm going to." Ah. So it was a, and then it was a difficult decision also to leave the restaurants because you're. 
you know, you open a restaurant, you want to work there, and then you, then you, you know, it's it's it was it was a difficult choice to yeah, make, but yeah. uh, but now I'm deep in. Uh, <laughs> In, in not not only uh, making wine, but deep in debt <laughs> with the vineyards you have, you know, because yeah. we are, we, are, we know that we are always, uh, of course, we are indebted to not only the bank but also the vineyard because yeah. it's a it's a lifetime project to uh, take care of them and make sure they they do well for the next generation because yeah. yeah. it's not it's not a, in in one lifetime it's not enough time to. No, oh, exactly. To yeah. succeed, it must be uh, multi-generational. Yeah. But you have three projects. You have Sandy, you have uh, the Medlacot, and Eveningland. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the, what are these three, yeah. three projects? So the first uh, project, of course, the, the first uh, was was Sandy in mm. it was 2009. It's uh, that was the first vintage. It's a, a negociant company where we rent the vineyards. Uh, and uh, we make the wine in Lompoc. Mm-hmm. And de la Côte is our own estate that uh, we acquired, but we, we also helped in planting in 2007. Mm-hmm. So it's an estate, mostly Pinot Noir, a little bit of Chardonnay. And Sunday, what, 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 what are the grapes on Sunday? It's mostly Chardonnay, mostly a Chardonnay. little bit of Pinot Noir. Yeah. So the, and they both are in the same appellation, in the San Rita Hills. Mm-hmm. Just one hour northwest mm. of uh, of the town of Santa Barbara, mm. in this little town called Lompoc. Lompoc. It's right on the coast, so the Windel Coast. The vineyards are around eight miles from the ocean, yeah. and the Sandy vineyards are between eight and twelve miles from the ocean. Okay. So the same little piece, and the soils are very interesting, and and uh, we try to make uh, you know fresh, crunchy. Mm. Wines with lots of acidity and freshness and old traditional methods of using whole cluster for Pinot Noir, yeah. fermenting in concrete. Indigenous yeast. In, in, yeah, no additives, no. indigenous yeast, uh, minimum intervention, and uh, try to make a wine from the place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're quite distinct for, of that place. Uh-huh. And then uh, Eveningland is, is the newest we acquired that in 2014, so this is the first release we just released here in, in Sweden, and that is from this one estate called Seven Springs, mm-hmm. uh, and that estate has many different parcels, so we make eight different wines, um, and we make yeah four Pinot Noirs, yeah. uh, three Chardonnays, and one Gamay. Yeah. One gamay as well. That's that's, that's cool. It's yeah. not not many gamays in that area, right? No, no. no this no. was definitely the first vineyard gamay vineyard planted in in Oregon. In Oregon, yeah. In the in the mid eighties. Yeah. So we because we had the, we had the fourteen for for lunch, uh, and uh, I mean, all we had uh, five wines you know, all together, two two chardonnays and three pinots, and uh, I mean there was super fresh, super clean, super pure, all of them. But I spoke to to Totte, um, as you also know, and he had tasted the thirteen, I mean, the vintage before you started working. And he said they're totally different wines. I mean, since you took took over the, the the place, what what is sort of your what is your winemaking philosophy? What 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 is the difference on evening lamp since you took over? What what are you doing different? Uh, well, first of all, 
we are lucky that the that, that the vineyard is is special. Mm-hmm. That's why we and you know we are we are very honored to work with that with the vineyard. So, in respect to the vineyard, it's pretty much the same as in the past. It's farm biodynamically. It's dry farmed, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, of course we have to maintain and keep it uh, keep it that way for mm-hmm. forever or as long as we can. And then in the cellar, just make a very, uh, as I said, pure, finesse, low extract, making Pinot Noir with more with infusion, less with extraction. Mm. Uh, again, indigenous yeast, because, uh, you know, and then just keeping keeping our hands off and letting, letting the wine dictate the route. Of course, the wine needs to be taken care of. Wine, yeah. wine don't, they don't make themselves. No, you, no, you no. Have, you have to... Take them on the Steer path, them in the right but, but then also, you know, keeping it, you know, without any manipulation, you know, not filtering or fining or mm. keeping the keeping it straight, uh, keeping it with its own acidity, mm. uh, picking with freshness, uh, treating it like, uh, you know, just the great fruit it is, and mm. we are lucky also to have. Uh, a good vintage, fourteen, thirteen was difficult for the previous winemaker, I and. Mean, and uh, yeah, the, just just more purity and just finesse. That's yeah, that's, yeah. that's the yeah. that's the goal to have the wine approachable when we release it, and then hopefully, with time, it's going to age and show its evolution. Yeah, yeah. We, we were talking about blind tasting just a few minutes ago, and what would you say if I'm if someone's blind tasting wines that you you are you are behind? What 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 is the sort of the the key to recognizing ah oh, this must be one um, part you have a, sort of a signum when it comes to one making I, I, you know may, maybe I think in maybe in five years I can maybe answer that question more accurately uh, you know in our wines uh, you know we make wines in San Rita Hills which are all marine sedimentary soils and it's an ocean influenced maritime climate mm. and the wines. I think, and also the way the vineyards are planted, the it's definitely unique to you know. And then in Oregon, it's volcanic soil, so mm-hmm. the wines are more smoky and they are a little more. more the tannin is a little bit more broad. Uh, I think when when you have our wines, if you drink a Pinot, uh, you know you can expect um, to have wines with finesse, but. Have the spice element because we use some whole cluster and yeah yeah so that's that's definitely something uh, and then for the whites uh, you know it's you know we, we are inspired and we've learned from producers in Burgundy so mm. it's in that style mm. it's it's always going to be lean and fresh and and uh, try to express the minerality of the place and in one case saltiness and the other case smokiness and yeah. that's a normal from both places um, you know we we try not to do too much but we do what we know yeah. you know what i mean it's it's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not the imprint of a barrel producer or an imprint of uh, a high extract no. uh, the oak treatment felt very light light-handed or whatever you call it yeah. very sort of elegant yeah. oak yeah, we, treatment we, we of course use barrels and yeah. around uh, 20% is what our normal goal is is but also a low toast so not too much char no. uh, 
Uh, one thing our wines uh, we we don't I mean, they're not flashy. No. They are they have fruit they have exuberance but we don't want a flash, flashy wine. No. So if you have the wines among other wines they might not be the most you know because mm. if you have a lot of wines sometimes a wine stands out because of some elements. So. Yeah yeah yeah. So Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What would you say if we're talking about um, uh, West Coast USA uh, wine in general? Uh, what are the uh, most interesting things happening uh, in that region right now, according to you? Lots of things happening in in all over the on on the West Coast, starting from uh, you know Washington State and Oregon, of course, and then. All over California, starting from uh, the North Coast, uh, even up in uh, uh, Anderson Valley, or mm -hmm. even going into the Sacramento Delta, and, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of a lot of fun things happening. Um, I think that people are finding where to plant Pinot Noir, where to plant Syrah, where to, you know, of course Chardonnay and things like that, but also other grape varieties. There's mm -hmm. You know, Chenin Blanc was a big part of the North Coast, so people again are going back to Chenin Blanc. Yeah, you talked about you. You have some some Chenin Blanc as well. Yeah, uh, we in, have in England, right? We have a little bit in Oregon, yeah. I mean, uh, and a little bit also in Santa Barbara. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so let's talk a little bit about it. What, what, what kind of what, what do you do with that? So do you do uh, varietal wine, Chenin Blanc? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah with yeah, oak or no? Oh, sort of oh, kind oh, of old barrels. Yeah. Uh, See, all the wines we make, we also make a little bit of Cabernet, very small, a little bit of Merlot. Yeah. Some, of course, Syrah and Trousseau and... I mean, Trousseau also. Well, the yeah. overarching idea of all these wines we make, we make many of the wines for the wine club, and we have a small other project with with another, it's with the Stolpmans, uh, a project called Combe, where we have Chenin and uh, Trousseau. Mm -hmm. And the overarching idea is to, again, stay true to varietal, Plant in a place, and you know, 
if it's a Trousseau or a Merlot or if it's a Pais mm. or mm. if it's a Shannon, if it's a Mondos, it's, it should taste like that. Yeah. And then if you're lucky, we find the right place and the wine is delicious and drinkable. <laughs> right? That, yeah. That, yeah. That's the whole idea. It's not, it's not to make a, you know, a Cabernet which tastes like Zinfandel or tastes no. like, you know, you want to have the right, like, you know, so if you smell, the, oh, it smells like yeah, pyrazine. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you, if you have a Syrah, it smells like black pepper. If yeah. you have the Trousseau, it smells like that wild, yeah. you know, so all these things we do, of course, the focus is definitely Pinot Noir Chardonnay from the Middle of Cote and, mm-hmm. and, and, and Seven Springs, but these other things which surround us is just the same curiosity mm. of mm. when I travel. When I'm, you know, I just finished writing a book with my friend Jordan McKay. It'll be out next year, mm-hmm. and it's about the classic wines of Europe. Oh, okay. So then you travel around, you see these people, and you learn how they do things, and you bring it back home and try it yourself. Mm. Mm. And uh, but you, I mean, you work a lot, obviously, with, with Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what to you is so fascinating with those grapes. I mean, uh, because you also, you, you, you've sought uh, land because yeah. you wanted to do those grapes. I mean, but, but, but why? Yeah. So from 2004 till 2000 and, say, 2012, 13, we did many experiments. Mm-hmm. This whole cluster, 25%, 50%, in the in the cellar, how, you know, racking, no racking, sulfur, no sulfur, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I think now that we have, we know, we understood the place, so we are trying, now it's much more classic, so mm. we don't do that many experiments. We mm. know that Lakot will be 100% clusters and concrete. Mm. Uh, now we know in Seven Springs, the La Source, you know, we, we kind of, of course, we, we vintage, we depends on the whole cluster in, in Oregon and so, but we, those are very classical mm-hmm. wines. Mm-hmm. And then when you, so, the, so we understood what Oregon wants to be mm-hmm. and what, you know, Dumas de la Côte wants to be, San Fernando Chardonnay or Mont Carmel or Bentrock. It's like we know that's what, because we tried different things yeah. and now we know. Mm-hmm. So stay on path for all those. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we have, of course, learned from, from producers in, in France and, and we are proud to say that because, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's... And then and the other things we do are more, you know, one-off experimental or if you do a pet mat or if you do, mm-hmm. a, you know, a sonsouf and stuff we do, like just for fun, just on the sides. But mm. but we make the estate wines, the Lakota and Evening Land, in, mm. a, in a classic way. Yeah, but well, part of the question was, what, what do you think is so fascinating with... Pinot Noir and Chardonnay as, as, as grape wines. I mean, oh. is it that I mean, Pinot Noir is obviously a very tough grape to work with. It's very sensitive and delicate yeah. and all that. Is it, is it that part of part of the thing, or is it just that you like that kind of wine oh, yourself? Uh, well, uh, well, if you go back in time, like just to go back when I was working in restaurants and it was difficult uh, in, in California to have uh, many Chardonnays and Pinot Fresh. They were yeah. quite ripe and and heavy and oaked. heavy yeah mm. so so then we we try to find places where we can 
make it more in a fresh style. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in the mid-2000s, that was a minority. Now, you see, there's a lot of producers who are making fresh style wine, mm-hmm. and there's other producers who are making uh, ripe wine, which is fine, because mm-hmm. more people drink ripe wine than, than fresh style wine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the palate, so, so our thing with Pinot Noir Chardonnay is definitely more towards the fresh and vibrant. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why I think we are uh, successful in the, in the European, because uh, yeah. you know I, I I don't know how many people in in uh, in Europe who want to drink that kind of wine. Some people may, but but we also export wine to France, for example. I was, oh, I was yeah, tasting yeah. in in Paris uh, earlier this week, and it's fascinating mm. that you know I'm pouring the wine in Paris among many other producers from all over France and. You know, yeah. they're like, "Wow, this is California." Yeah, they're like, yeah. "So it's a proud moment because California can make wine also like that." Definitely. But, but the the benchmark is still, you know, the heavier wines. Yeah, and yeah. that's fine because, mm. you know, everyone has their own palate. And, uh, but our uh, focus is more on the the crunch, yeah, and the yeah, freshness, very, very fresh and very nice acidity and all yeah. that. Um, What's what's in the future for you uh, now and 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 the, and the and the wineries? I mean, it's just starting to continue <laughs> to, to 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 grow, or are no, you no, thinking no. of a, a new project? So no, 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 no more growth. I think we've we the goal is not to make too much wine, to make just enough wine, and take care of the vineyard. Mm. And you know, in in one case, in at Dumont de la Côte, the the vines are young, to see them mature and and and. You know, watch them grow basically, and mm. and in Evening Land, there's some vineyards are old, some are young, so there's a lot of replanting happening there. Mm. And uh, but 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 it's not. There's no goal to make more wine, or yeah. uh, we are not buying another estate, or no. nothing. No, no, we, are, <laughs> we are quite it sounds happy. Sounds like you your hands full. Yeah, already. quite happy yeah. with that. Yeah. Uh, just uh, you know, just uh, those. Those three wineries, just mm. look after them and kind of, you know, maybe not travel this much because uh, also the book will be out next year, so then yeah. that'll be. But you, you also, this is your second or even third Se- second book. Second, yeah, because you did the Secrets of the Sommelier was the exactly, yeah, 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 same. So me and Jordan McKay. Oh, this is just okay. exact yeah. same. To, yes, this book is called the Atlas of Taste. Atlas of Taste. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so why uh, classic wines in Europe taste the way they taste? Mm-hmm. So I'll try mm-hmm. to explain that. Throw some geology in there and, yeah. and some other fun fun things and yeah, yeah. no it's uh, I think ne- next after next fall it'll be busy for to release the book and oh, yeah. then again another new vintage you make a wine and then you have release a vintage oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, the cycle is <laughs> forever yeah and, yeah and that's that's the fun of it because you know. Next time when I come back, you'll taste the 15 yeah. Dumas de la Côte and Sandy wines, and then the 15 Evening Land, and then, yeah, yeah. That, that's, 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 that's it. No more... But you're done with, with being sommelier, uh, I mean, working in a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I don't work in a restaurant. I, I still help. Uh, I still work with uh, Michael, Michael, Michael Mina. The, oh, yeah, you do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, it's... It, I took a little break for a couple of years, and now again I work with them, mm-hmm. and uh, it's fun because it's it's like family, you know. It's yeah. it's, it's difficult to, and it's also, it's also great to you know work with restaurants. But I don't work in the restaurant, 
I just work more more by email or phone or I go oh, yeah. a few days. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I enjoy going to bed early and waking up early. So. Yeah, <laughs> get it. Um, but is there anything else in the wine world you want to do? I mean, you've been a sommelier, you've been writing books, and now you're, you're actually working as a winemaker. What, what, is there any more sort of calls to, uh, or things on your bucket list no. when it comes to wine? You know, you know, I never had a bucket list. No. I, I never had these goals. No. These things just came in front, and you just kept doing it. Yeah. So there's nothing. There's no, I have no plans to do anything else. No. Uh, hopefully, try to uh, live a balanced life. That's yeah. that's 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 a goal because that, that's that's a, that's a <laughs> challenge in itself. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> not, nothing else new. I'm just looking forward to uh, releasing the new book. Looking forward to the, releasing the next vintage and going on with life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, finally, I, I heard I saw an interview with you. I don't remember where, but you, you said something about but um, wine drinking that I felt was kind of relieving. Uh, you said there's only two kinds of wine: there are yeah. good wines and there are bad wines. And if yeah. you like them, then it's good. And then if you don't, don't don't drink it. Yeah, I mean, because it's always. Um, do, do do you think that us? I mean, the, the sommeliers and, and the journalists are, are good enough at at making wine understandable and, and sort of down-to-earth to consumers today? Or think you think it's a... What's your general opinion on... on First thing, I think that, you know, wine... My good friend Richard Betts says wine is a grocery. Wine is something you drink. We drink it mm. every day with friends, with family. And I think it should not be snobbish. It should not be a, a pedestal. It should be a natural beverage you drink. Uh... And you make it also uh, in a in a very honest, natural way, mm-hmm. and you present the wine the way it is. I mm-hmm. think that there's a lot of uh, you know marketing gimmick around around wine sometimes. And yeah, there, of course, wine should have a story because it's made by people yeah, who are inspired yeah. by people yeah. or by a place or something. But I think that it should we should talk about wine from a place or person. Mm. I, I don't I don't believe in uh, you know too much about oh this is this clone and this is this barrel is this score this oh, wine no, got no. oh this got a medal and and of course it's great to have accolades in wine and yeah, we, yeah. Need, we need wine writers wine critics everything to promote wine but I think that we should we should show wine in in a, in a way that we like if you talk to someone transport the person's mind to the place where the wine comes from mm-hmm. even though you haven't been to Oregon or you haven't been to wherever but to you know take a person's that this wine comes from here mm. or it's made by this person in this place and then then you can geek out as much as you want some people <laughs> some people geek just out. like the taste of it and forget yeah. and some yeah. people want to know more about the detail I think that It should be first of all. It should be fun, uh, fun, and also not not too snobby, not too no. like, no. you know. I only drink fine wine in my suit and tie, <laughs> you know, because yeah. that's the old-fashioned way of mm. like. I mean, it's fine, mm. you know, mm. um, but but I think that just to to understand your own palate, keep your mind open, yeah. and taste different things and. You know, if you drink the same wine every single day, how boring is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. 
Well, um, thank you so much for taking the time. It's a pleasure talking to you and uh, have a nice rest of your stay in in Stockholm. Good luck with everything. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. And I'm sure I'll be back very soon. I hope hope so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. See you around. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.